They say repetition is a really good teacher. That what gets repeated is important. That's what they say. So baseball players, for example, they repeat certain practices. They practice taking ground balls. At least any good coach would have their players doing that. Just any good coach. Just any good coach. Uh, would teach their players to be taking ground ball after ground ball after ground ball. Why? Because you want your players to be able to get the ground ball in the game. What you repeat is important. So those math teachers out there, when they have those students repeat the multiplication table over and over and over. <laughs> They do that because it's important. When a preacher repeats someone's name over and over again Sunday after Sunday, like Mark, he must be important. He must be important. Did you see what I did there? I said you were important. All right. I'll repent of that later. All right. Well, listen, so this is what Paul does in this letter to the Philippians. He repeats himself over and over. There are just a few themes that get run through over and over again. And it's that which is important. And there's one theme in particular that we see repeated over and over again. It is this theme of right thinking. Paul's very concerned that the Philippians think rightly. That their minds are set on the right thing. And just so we understand before we step into the next section of the letter, I want you to see where we've been in the letter so far. Take a look at, and we're going to use here the New Testament for everyone translation. It grabs the sense of this scripture. Philippians 2, take a look at this, Philippians 2, 2. Paul says this, make my joy complete, bring your thinking into line with one another. Now here's how to do it. Hold on to the same love, bring your innermost lives into harmony Fix your minds on the same object. And the question then is, what's the right object? Well, we saw a few weeks ago that right object is Jesus and his cross. And what he does just three verses after this command to have their minds set on the right thing, on the same object, he goes on to say this. Check out verse 5. This is how you should think among yourselves. With the mind that you have, because you belong to the Messiah, Jesus. In other translations, it says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then what he does is Paul goes on to say there, that this Jesus, who though God came in flesh and did not hold on to his, divine, his divinity, he came and made himself nothing, humbled himself even to death, death on a cross. And it's that point then, after death on a cross... God the Father raised him up and exalted him, so he has the name above every name. But you have that same mind, the same mind that took Jesus from heaven to earth to die on a cross. You have that same mind. Then in chapter 3, he goes on to say this, Philippians 3, verses 14 through 15, he says, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of such things. You should think this way. Here's how I'm thinking. Now, I want you to think the same way. 
I want your mind to be locked in on the same thing my mind is locked in on. Then he goes on just a few verses after this. Go verse uh, 17, he says this. We'll go on one more. Uh, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Look at what he says here. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. You keep your eyes, you keep your focus, your mind needs to be watching, thinking on people who have the same kind of life I have and who think like I think. And all of it is tied to Jesus. So you have right thinking. That is a lot of repetition. And what Paul's going to do, like any good teachers, now he's going to bring it to a crescendo. And he's going to have one of his most famous statements that he ever wrote in any of his letters about right thinking. I want to read it. Philippians chapter 4. We'll pick up now verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1. Here's what Paul writes as we move into the last chapter. He writes this, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side for the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There's a lot going on in those nine verses. Some of those verses there are on people's walls and beautiful cursive, things like rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Or something maybe like do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Those are some famous verses. Maybe some of you have those on your wall. But I want to focus in on those last verses where Paul, where Paul repeats himself in his clearest moment. Finally, I want you to think on what is right and good and noble noble and admirable and praiseworthy and excellent. You think on that. And we then come to this question, what is that? What would be all of those things? Well, that's where context matters. Because Paul has already set up his case. It is Jesus. It is Jesus and his cross. That's the thing that is most noble, most admirable. That's the thing that is most lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. And you know this was so impressed in Paul's mind. It's the thing that captured his imagination that it spilled over. So that when he wrote other letters, 
This just had to come out. And we've seen it in one particular place. Let's go ahead and repeat it. Galatians 6.14, here's what Paul writes. May I never boast except, what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He thought on the cross. He thought on the loveliness of Jesus so much that it is the thing that he would boast about. If he had to boast about anything, it would be the cross because the cross was so impressed in his mind and heart that it's the thing that grabbed his imagination and attention. Now, I'm using words to describe all of this, but you know what I would do if I had to visualize this, right? Like if I had to get this into physical form, well, I would use, I would use Plato. I'd use Plato on a piece of wood, and I'd use an iron cross to visualize this. You see, I think that what Paul is telling them is to become the kind of people, the kind of people whose mind is so shaped by Jesus that if we could visually look at Paul and inside his mind that the cross, that thing that is most lovely, most admirable, most excellent and praiseworthy, that would be the thing leaving an impression so deeply that anyone that saw him or read what he wrote would see Jesus and the cross. This is the thing we think on. This is the thing that we meditate on, put our focus and attention directly in front of us. This here is what becomes impressed inside the mind and in the heart. And so Paul, when he gets here near the end of the letter, he is telling them that you pay attention to this. And you make sure to keep your eyes on anyone else that's doing this so that you can become like this. And you know what happens then? You know what happens when this becomes the thing that is impressed on our minds? Well, you get everything else thrown in. Those things that are hanging on our walls about not being anxious or rejoicing always... They have a way then of taking life, uh, taking on life and everyday life for us. But you don't get the lack of anxiety by focusing on anxiety. You get a lack of anxiety by focusing the mind on the praiseworthiness of Jesus and his cross. This is what we do. It's when this is pressed in that you get everything else. Divisions begin to dissolve. When he told those two women to have the same mind, he was telling them to think on the thing that is most praiseworthy, most noble, most admirable, the cross and the love of Jesus. And when you get Jesus at the center, well then, divisions start to heal. You see, when Jesus taught us to pray, forgive me, Oh, Father, forgive me my sins like I forgive the sins of others. That has to come from a place where the cross is central. You can't pray that prayer without the cross. You can't ask for someone else's forgiveness if you don't believe you have been forgiven yourself. And so the cross sitting at the center of the mind is where you get all those other lovely things in that passage. You can't hang verse 7 on your wall if you don't have the cross at the center of your mind and heart. And so this is what we want our minds to look like. One day after we're all gone and our bodies have stopped, 
If they open up your head and look at your brain, may the cross be pressed right into the fleshy part of the mind. You know that's not how that works. I'm just trying to use an illustration here. If you thought that's how it works, we'll talk later. You get it. This is what we want at the center. Now, we've got to bring that into some application. We need to like say something about what that looks like in real life for us. Well, that gets real complicated, doesn't it? It's real easy for me to say everything I just said. And it's real easy to press an iron cross into some Play-Doh and make it, and, and, you know, make it an illustration. But what we're talking about is when you go home today and, and you're tired and frustrated or hungry, what does it look like to have the cross right at the center of your mind? What does it mean to think rightly when you're tired or your coworker frustrates you or your spouse hurts your feelings or your kid won't listen? What does it look like then to think rightly? Well, we're going to need to think about that a little bit more. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is... We're going to bring up someone uh, on stage to help us with this. Uh, several years ago, I had, I'm, not several, just a few years ago, I, I met a missionary couple. They work in Central Asia, a closed country. And we, we, got, we got to know each other, and they happened to be in the States because of all, everything related to COVID, and they've had to stay here longer than they expected. And so they were able to visit us, visit us this morning. And so I said, why don't you come and help uh, help with this sermon, and why don't we have a conversation about what this might look like in real life? Now, they bring a missionary context with them in a difficult part of the world, but they also are human beings who also struggle like we struggle. And so we're going to bring up Jason and Missy uh, onto stage, some friends of mine, and we're going to have a conversation. Now, if you're online, we're about to put a slide up. Uh, we do. We have a slide up. We cannot show them online. We can't show their faces because of the safety protocols, because of the country they work in. So you're going to hear them online, uh, but we're now going to have a conversation. So Jason, Missy, come on up, and let's talk about what this all looks like in real life. You want to take that mic, Jason? And all right. See, there you go. All right, so we're going to have a conversation for the next 15 minutes or so about what this looks like. All right. So at, before we get started, just tell us a little bit about what you do in Central Asia. Yeah, so um, just a little background. So we've been living and working in a country that ran for about 11 years now. It, we don't have any power? Oh, that one is on. Testing. Testing. Oh, that's okay. Great. Here, let me Bullshit. see. You always use one? That works. Okay. So. You're good. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Now. All right. Technical difficulties. That's all right. Yeah. So uh, we are living and working in Central Asia. I've been there about 11 years. Um, and basically, you know, we want to go and to live out the love of Christ to the people that we're working with. You know, we do live in a closed country, 99.9% .9 Muslim and uh, we work with some of the most vulnerable, poor people who uh, have difficulties in the world. And so uh, we're going to have an opportunity to interact with some of you and talk and go more in depth. But in general, that's what we do. That's what our hearts are about. So. Yeah. So what does it look like as you have faced challenges in everyday life and then also where you live? Talk about what that looks like 
to have right thinking in the middle of the drudgery and the difficulties of everyday life for you? So I'm so interested on how that has played out for y'all. Um, yeah, sure. I think as you shared the topic with us today, the very first thing that came to my mind was um, the situation with COVID and this year in general is just not like we would have thought or wanted or have played it out for ourselves. Um, we were supposed to come for the summer and then go back, um, but that isn't how it has played out. And so I think it's very easy with all that's going on in the world to like get very pinpointed on, this is my trouble, this is my trouble, I don't know how it's gonna all work out. But like you were saying, like if we look at the overarching large picture of what God is doing and his faithfulness over it, over everything, trusting that he has a plan, he is in control, and he will work all this stuff out that doesn't make any sense to us right now about why we're here longer than we should be, that our, our staff is still on the other side of the world trying to run programs that help um, prevent COVID in, in that area of the world that's very vulnerable. We want to be there helping and encouraging them, but that's not the, the lot that we have been given right now. So, um, yes, it's easy for our minds to, to spiral down and be like, I don't understand this. This isn't right. But to trust in God and his plan and his faithfulness and that when we look back and can see the overarching plan, like zoom back and look at the overarching plan that God has been faithful and he will make his purposes come to, to be in this. It's not, it's not easy for sure on an everyday basis. I can't say that we're, wow, we can, we're just sticking to the overarching plan and can see that, see that God is doing this. It is a daily struggle for sure to like take your mind back to, to that faithfulness of, of God and that he is over all these things that don't make a lot of sense to us right now. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I think we were talking about this in the car on the way down, like this idea of tunnel vision. It's so easy to focus in on one problem. So I think the first thing that's where I'm humbled to be up here and to even have the chance to talk about this because we struggle so much too, just like everybody else. You know, we live in a difficult situation. And for me, a lot of times I can get caught up in the daily task of dealing with government corruption or the things that are going on around me and, and be like, freak out and worry about it. But really when I step back, when I can stop, when I can talk to Missy about it, we can pray about it, and we can find, you know what, God is in control of this. God is going to take care of this. There's nothing I can do but to step back and to trust him and to pray, and that's the key, you know, for us. It, it, he is the one. It's his blood covering. It's his direction. It's his guidance is the only thing that can get us through the situations we're in, whether it's here with COVID or whether it's there with whatever it may be. So what's some, there's a couple things that I hear, and we didn't rehearse this. This is all, like, you know, spontaneous here. Um, is that you talk about plans don't go like you, like you expected. And I think that's a struggle we have. I know, I know for me, like, I think my life's going this way, and then this happened. It's like, what in the world? And then if we, if we dwell on that, we then go, well, then why doesn't God love me? And why did God do this? And... But, like, that's part of the great challenge of right thinking is that, you know, that some of the key challenges in our life is going to be when things don't go like you expect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's going to be important. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think one of the main things to, to think about instead of just the circumstances, like who is God? Remembering who is God? I know his character. I know who he is. I know how he will come through. And despite my circumstances that I don't like or agree with or want to be in, I know who God will be to me in those situations and that it will be for my good and for the good of, of others, even though it's not fun, not pleasant to go through. I might look really ugly in the middle of it, but that he will be faithful. And I, so as you're even saying that, I think to myself, I think, well, so a great example would be like if a spouse hurts another spouse's feelings, they need to remember who that spouse is. But then I think, well, no, spouses really can jack up relationships pretty good. Like, I mean, that happens. Like, I don't know that you can, like, sometimes adults and adults, that's probably not the best example because we all know adults that, that betray other adults in marriages or close friendships. And then I think, well, you know, probably the relationship maybe the closest is someone around that, one, that age of one. So I'm just thinking, and we have one of those, as you know. Um, is like when I, when I hold Micah and I take him into a dark room, he, he may be scared, but because I'm with him, he'll go with me. No matter what happens, as long as I'm with him, he knows who I am. Now, obviously, adults can break that. But at a young age, there's this intuitive, they trust when they are with their caretaker. And I think that's key, is that no matter what bad might be happening... God has not forsaken us. If anything, God came to us and suffered more than any human being has ever suffered. So that's really important. Okay, I want to jump on something you said, Jason, because it really has a lot of application. I know you guys are Americans, but you also don't live there, don't live here primarily. Um, you know here we have something very important going on right. in the next couple weeks. Yeah. Um, and you said government corruption. Yeah. And because I know more about your situation... Golly, like, compare what he lives with and what we live with. Like, we're sitting in heaven compared to many things you have to, you struggle with. We act like if the wrong person gets in office, we're like, we're off to doomsday and it's all over. You've been living in a context where doomsday came long time ago. I don't even know they ever got to anywhere else but doomsday. I'm saying in terms of corruption and those yeah. things. And so you carry a kind of perspective in your thinking about your circumstances, particularly your political circumstances, that we might have a really hard time getting our hands around. Because maybe because we have so much more control, we feel like we have more control. I don't know. What, how do you, what does that look like for you? It's a difficult thing because... The truth is it's difficult because sometimes I do get stuck down in it. Sometimes it's like, you know, if this goes wrong or this goes wrong, you, know, you can take it out to the nth degree of what could be for your family or for your staff or for people. But the truth is coming back to God's in control is the main point. You know, it's in, in every one of those moments, if I depend on myself, it's just not going to go the right direction. But if I can step back and can pray and seek God... And, and know that he is in control, that he's in the driver's seat, that's a whole different, you know, scenario. And so I think standing firm in that is the goal, is where we need to be. But day in and day out, as you struggle with it, I think it's going to be an ebb and flow. I think we have to remember we're not going to be, we are not going to be perfect. He is perfect. You know, we are not going to do everything right, but he is still in control. And we have to stand firm in, in, the, in the cross of Christ in that. So you, both of you have said this. So I'm curious to know what it looks like on the ground, like each day. 
Both have said, pull back, pull back, pull back, and see a bigger picture. And, and I think that is so key to right thinking. But what happens when you get lazy? Like, what happens when you go, like, what happens when that happens? Like, how do you get out of the, the tunnel? Yeah, I think sometimes that's the struggle, whether it's in our marriage or whether it's with our children or whether it's in our work. You know, it's, and so sometimes it takes one or the other to help guide us out of that. So we need people around us to speak truth to us, to, to know that they're for us. And sometimes, you know, we don't. Sometimes we need people outside of even our family to help us to have uh, guidance and direction on that. But I think, you know, it's kind of a daily, like you said, that repetition where you need to practice it. Where I, you know, I struggle a lot of times in life with, like, getting caught in the lies of the world that says, you're this, this, and this, but God says you're this, this, and this. And I want to stand firm in what he says I am versus what the world says I am. And I think that's a key aspect, but also in that a lot of, emotions and struggles come out in life about it. And so I think it's a, it's a continual process that we have to pray about and walk through daily. Mm-hmm. I think one helpful pro- practice for me is just remembering the Sabbath, like keeping the Sabbath, like yeah. take my hands off stuff for a day, yeah. try to focus on God, not even like working hard at being with God. Or It's not like a, necessarily an in-depth Bible study. It might be reading his word. It might be praying, but just mm-hmm. remembering my place in the world like god is over this not forcing myself to work hard to try to work things out to ruminate on things and to just let god be god and then i can remember my place and hand things over to him and trust that he's he once again so that's like really good. practical you yeah, mean literally yeah. you're not trying to accomplish no striving anything. on one day a week <laughs> i try to yes one of my you know many of you know one of my dead mentors is dallas willard and dallas willard used to say that we should all at some point have a couple times during the week where we have absolutely nothing to do. I don't know what that's like. Because I don't intentionally work. I don't plan for that. It's hard to do. But you have to plan for it. You don't just like stumble into like doing nothing. Now, I know sometimes you can, and that's called disengaging. And then you're like, you go down the binge you know, trail into Netflix. Like, that's a different thing here. That's a, but you intentionally started binging, too, at, at some level. But, so, that's real practical, but not easy. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, we are, well, let's do one more, one more thing. We have, like, one more minute. I'm looking. You guys don't know where I'm looking. I know that we have, like, one more minute. Um, can you, just anything else you want to share with us about right thinking. And if you go over a minute, don't worry. We're very relaxed people besides Wayne. So, okay? Uh, All right. I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think beyond what we have said, you know, I think Dane and Dale, and Missy's really good at this, and I'll lift her up in that, but, like, we, you know, in that practice of Sabbath or in that practice of stopping, you know, it's a really important aspect. And so it's easy to plan all of our life in every other way and to not focus on the spiritual part of it. And sometimes I think we probably need to focus more on the spiritual part and let the other stuff go more. But I think as we strive in the world, a lot of that is a struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, and so daily we just have to come back and surrender that to God. Weekly we have to surrender that to him and we have to take a step back. And so I think that Sabbath aspect that Missy pointed out is a huge part mm-hmm. of what we need to be doing. And Sunday is part of that, but I think, you know, if we can find other times during the week, maybe it's a... Maybe it's just going out for a walk. You know, maybe it's just stopping and taking a nap. You know, I struggle with that a lot. I'm like, I'm really tired. I need to take a nap. And I'm like, I can't take a nap. I can't do that. That's mm-hmm. wrong. You know, but, you know, sometimes we need to do those things so that we can be in a good place. 
I think other things too, like maybe silence and solitude, maybe you don't even realize what you're thinking until you can just stop and let everything settle and see what's ruminating in your head and call it what it is and, and give it to God, I think is important too. That's good. All right. Well, thank you. Okay. Just, I'm so grateful that they are here. Thanks, guys. Uh, you just leave them. Our music people are so good. They're going to figure it out. Um, all right. So, you know what's missing at this point is a next step. So, let's take all of that. Uh-oh. They just fell, didn't they? That's all right. So, we're going to, let's take all that and push it into a next step, something we can do this week. And we've already talked about some of those things, so grateful for that. Here's a next step. Take a look. Increase how much you think about Jesus daily. And you can figure out different ways to do that. For some of you, you don't ever read the Bible. So you might want to start by reading the Bible. Get an app on your phone or take the Bible in the pew, take it home and say, I'm going to read one page a day. That may be something you start with. Or maybe you have an app on your phone and you don't like reading, but you can listen. Listen to the Bible each day. Or maybe you can just take the Lord's Prayer and pray it every day. Maybe you don't have it memorized. You'll print it out or write it by hand and just pray that. Do something that increases how much you think of Jesus. Again, if you have never run before, you don't start by running 26 miles. You start by running a half a mile or maybe a fourth of a mile. So wherever you are, you increase. That's the goal, you increase. And over time, you will go farther than you could ever imagine today. And so that's our goal. We increase how much we think of Jesus. When that happens, right thinking happens. When right thinking happens, you become the kind of person who naturally can walk around without anxiety. You naturally will be at more peace with people. You naturally will pray more. You'll, you'll naturally become the kind of person that gives all of your requests to God. Even if it's a small snack to a big medical diagnosis, it doesn't matter. Everything goes back to God because you become the kind of person who's thinking rightly and everything else flows from there. That's the kind of people we want to become. So the next step is to increase how much you think about Jesus daily. All right, let me pray for us. Father, thank you, for, thank you for friends who can help with a conversation about application. Thank you for how you have already worked with all of us to be shaping our thinking. Do it even more. And we trust that you'll do it. And your grace will help us. And you'll give us people in our lives to help us. We thank you for that. We pray all of this, our gratitude and requests for more help, all of it under the grace and power and lordship of Jesus, our crucified Messiah who rose from the grave. And together we say, amen.